We love supporting and promoting the creators of musical theater throughout the world. And we would love to have your support as well. Go to musicaltheaterradio.com and click on the Become a Patron button because a supportive community is a strong community. Welcome back to another episode of Be Our Guest here on Musical Theater Radio. I am your host, as always, Jean-Paul Yovanoff. Today's guest is a New York-based actor, singer, nutrition coach, and founder and executive director of the Latin Musical Theater Lab. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show, Ryan Morales-Green. Ryan, welcome. Thanks, Jean-Paul. Nice to see you. You as well. Awesome. So I start every one of my interviews the same way. We want to know who Ryan is. We want to get the in-depth nitty gritty of Ryan. So in 30 seconds, 30 second bio, who is Ryan? Uh, Ryan is a big dork who happens to love musical theater. Um, he also loves martial arts. He loves food. Um, he grew up in Virginia uh, as an only child, which is, says a lot about him. Awesome. Short, sweet, and to the point. It leaves us so much more to talk about. That's awesome. (laughs) So when you were growing up, uh, were you always in a musical theater? Or is that something you discovered a little bit later in life? You know, I always did choir. I always did theater. I did like the musicals in high school. But I don't think anyone was like, wow, you know, this is a viable career path. You could go to college for this. And so um, it it wasn't until actually my first trip to New York City when I was a sophomore, junior in high school. I saw my first Broadway show and, you know, have one of those starstruck moments of, I love this. And by the end of the trip, I was like, I want to do this. Like people actually do this and make money off of it. And, and everyone thought I was crazy. Um, my choir teacher actually pulled my mom aside and was like, don't let him do it. It'll be the worst <laughs> mistake of his life. Um, which actually I'd say is probably did me a big favor. Cause then my mom suddenly had to be like defense, like in defense mode of me and yeah. be like, no, he can do anything he wants to, even though she was also like, oh no, is this going to be the worst mistake of his life? <laughs> and so, uh, um, yeah, it started then. And then I was like, uh, off to the races and was like, I'm going to try to make this like an actual career, but it really wasn't until the very end of high school. That sounds like me. I didn't, I didn't figure start and decide I wanted to do it till like, yeah, grade 11 or 12 or something like that, like really late. So, so obviously, cause you were thinking it started late. Was there something else you wanted to do? Was there another career path that was in your head before that? Yeah, I was going to go and be an aerospace engineer. Exactly the same as musical theater. Pretty yeah, much. Yeah. Same, yeah. same skill sets. <laughs> do, do you still have a passion for that? Do you, do you still think about that sometimes? I mean, you know, it's fun to think about like, what would my life be if I did this thing? Yeah. You know what I mean? If I did X, Y, Z, um, because I love math. I was really, really good at math. I was much better at math than I am at singing and dancing and acting. Uh, but <laughs> I guess sometimes we like a challenge. No, I, I, sometimes I think about that, you know, and not just, it's weird to think, not just like the engineering job, but like the lifestyle of an engineer and like the lifestyle of kind of a nine to fiver. And I'm, I ask myself, like, where would I live? Like, where, would I still live in New York? Um, would I know how much I love living in New York? And so I, I do think about like the lifestyle of it and like what my life would be if I were that job. But I can't say that I like daydream about being doing like math all day in an engineering office or something like that. Yep. Oh, I totally agree. The only thing I would miss if, if I did something like that is the steady paycheck. That, that would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it's the life we chose in theater. So you, you decided late in high school that you wanted to 
do musical theater? What did you do? How did you take that to the next level? Well, you know, um, being the high achiever I always was, I uh, immediately jumped into voice lessons because that was something I felt like I needed. And I, I had no idea how to audition for a college program. And alongside that, I had said to my parents, you know, I was like, I don't want to jump into this blind. I don't want to jump into this thinking I have some sort of talent or ability to succeed in this. And actually, it's I waste, you know, my life doing this. And I think that's what they were worried about, too. So I made a deal with them, really with myself, to um, only apply for schools that you had to audition for. So I applied to five schools, you know, and, and the thing was, if I didn't get into any of them, then I wasn't meant to do this. And, and that was fine. And I was going to be fine with it. But at least I wanted to shoot my shot, so to speak, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so I auditioned for five and I got into one. <laughs> and I was like, cool, this is where I'm going. Uh, but, you know, it was a lot of like uh, kind of last minute going, OK, well, what do I need to do? What do I need to know? Getting in the voice lessons was like the big thing because that felt like I'd sung all my life. But I think singing as like a soloist singing as like a professional was something that felt like there was a bigger gap between especially coming from a choir background um which is just a different a different beast in, compared to singing musical theater you know yeah so i I'm, I'm curious about what you said that you'd only go to schools that you could audition for are there schools where you don't have to audition to get oh, yeah. into a theater program mm -hmm. into yeah there's what? schools <laughs> yep uh okay it's like apply you know what I mean? I've never heard of that. Every, everywhere I wanted to go up here, I had to do some kind of audition. And that's, oh, that's surreal. Okay. <laughs> I just never heard of that yeah. before. Maybe, maybe I'm just ignorant about that. Or maybe maybe that's a thing that just happens down there. I, I don't know. That's, that's very curious. All right. So where did you get into? Oh, I went to Shenandoah Conservatory. Okay. And, and how was that experience? Going from obviously not very long, just deciding to do musical theater, from a choir background into theater was it was it was it an easy transition was it just you know something more difficult what did what did you learn from there you know i think um being the kind of person who's just always you know uh going on four cylinders six cylinders whatever the metaphor is um <laughs> someone who's just like always like great I, i'm doing this thing i'm committed to it i'm going at a hundred percent um conservatory is great because i think in the four years i was there i took like three gen ed classes like once each yeah. year or something like that um so i was like immersed in musical theater and like all the components of musical theater um and so for me it was a great place because i got to really really focus on it and put in the extra time and, and do the extracurriculars and just kind of be doing it 110 percent of the time um for a lot of people that was really intense for them like they sort of burnt out on it which makes total sense for me yeah. it was um i had so much to learn and had so much growth to do that I felt like I really took advantage of the school and the fact that there were so there's so much around there's so many resources around to you know to get better to improve um I I wish that it was really competitive which was nice you know there were like 40 people in my in my class and it took me until about my senior year to really get much recognition from you know the faculty yeah. Um, which was actually kind of cool to like feel like, man, I worked up. I started like kind of in the bottom of the class. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to figure this out. And then by senior year, you know, I was I was getting a lot of good recognition from people and seeing like kind of, kind of the fruits of my labor. And then, of course, there's the shell shock of you get to New York and you're like, oh, shit, I got to do this. all again. <laughs> um, <laughs> so did you go straight from the university into New York or was there a, a moment in between where you were you, you finding your bearings? I did this really crappy apprenticeship for about four months. Okay. 
And then I went to New York. Okay. <laughs> we'll just leave the crappy apprenticeship to the side and not talk about it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just leave that there. So you, you got to New York. Do you, do you remember your first audition or your, your first show? My first audition? You see, I the thing that was cool was going up in Winchester, or not growing up, going to school in Winchester, we would come up to New York. Mm-hmm. So I'd gone to auditions in New York before I'd even graduated school. Okay. Um, so it wasn't as like mystical and mystifying. It was like, oh yeah, now I go here and I've been to these things before and I know what these are. And I felt like somewhat equipped to, to just kind of do the thing and figure it out. So I don't remember like a big splash of anything. Um, what was my first show? I think my first show was MAME. I did MAME with Andrea McCardle. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was a crazy job. Uh, I was, um, it was in Philadelphia at, at the Media Theater and they don't provide housing. And I remember they originally offered me the job. It was like 200 bucks a week, no housing. And I was like, how am I supposed to live? So I, said, I just said, no. I was like, it's fine. I'm good. Um, and then they came back and were like, well, what about 400? And I was like, I mean, I could probably run a place for that. So then I, not really knowing anything about Philadelphia, I uh, got a room from a friend for like 300 bucks a month. Okay, cool. Except it was in Manayunk and media is in media, which if you drive is about a half hour. Yeah. If, you take public, if you take public transit, it's about an hour and a half. <laughs> so I was just like excited to be doing a show at an equity theater and all this yeah. stuff. And so I, um, I would take, you know, it's like the bus to the light rail with like all this waiting in between. And I was like 23. So I was like, okay, cool. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm just happy to be working and, uh, <laughs> grateful that I never have to do it again. <laughs> That's not so bad on the front end because you can w- work it out, but when you're done at 11 and you got to get on the transit for an hour and a half to get home, uh, what a nightmare that must have been. But mm-hmm. That's awesome. So yeah, I was going through your resume and I saw you were in Flashdance, the tour. Yes, Flashdance the musical. <laughs> How was that experience? And then I do have a question about the water scene. How is it done without making a giant mess? It's done right before intermission. Oh, okay. So there is a giant mess. <laughs> That's the only answer. Yeah. So then, you know, uh, the main girl whose character name I forget, because I blocked out a lot of that experience, um, is uh, she's wet for an intermission and she goes and dries off and puts on her act two costume. God bless her. She, uh, Julia Macchio was, was our, whatever that character's name is, uh, and brilliant human, brilliant performer, um, you know, was the only thing that kept the tour from not just like imploding on itself. Um, I'll be honest, I had a really terrible experience and a really great one at the same time. Yeah. I was too young to be in that position in a lot of ways. And I wasn't like surrounded and supported by people who were like building me up. I was kind of supported or surrounded by people who, who were breaking me down. But then I didn't have like the experience and the fortitude and the maturity to resist that. So I think yeah. there was a lot of, you know, young people drama on that tour. There was a lot of uh, lack of professionalism. There's a lot of like personal disappointment because I wasn't performing at the level that I wanted to, and I felt like I was capable of, and I didn't totally have the skills to. And it was, you know, a weird schedule. It was a ton of travel. We were just on that bus constantly. That's all I remember of tours, like being on that bus constantly, having the rare moment where we actually had time in a city to like do anything fun. And um, but I I, I got to say like uh, those kinds of experiences constantly remind me that I'm like meant to be doing this because even when it's like, fuck, this is awful. Why am I like going through this? Or it's, it's really painful. It's like, you get on stage and you're still like, yeah, no, I love performing. I love, I love this. And so I think um, 
it took me like six months to kind of work through that, mm -hmm. like done some therapy to work through that experience because it was difficult in so many ways. But I think ultimately because of a job like that, I came out a lot stronger as like a human being and a performer. Well, let's talk about, you said there was not a lot of support things. Let's talk about um, the Latin Musical Theater Lab, which is all about support. And yeah. so, so what is it and, and why did you start it? Uh, so the Latin Musical Theater Lab is a home for developing and producing new works of Latin written musical theater. And uh, I built it because, you know, if you look at the numbers of Latin musical theater writers that have been on Broadway, which, you know, is, is just one metric, but it really does like trickle down, right? Whatever's happening on Broadway tends to be the trend across the country. And so over the past like 20 years, there's been, I think, nine, nine shows that have, a, that have had a, a, even just one Latin writer attached to it. So that's like, like, and, and in the, by the numbers, there's been like over 700 credits of like writers, composer, lyricists, librettists, composers. And of those credits, it's only like nine credits, nine people. So it's a tiny minuscule amount of the pool of writers that get produced on Broadway that identify as Latine, that are Latine. Um, and and um, so it's, it's just, there's not a lot of opportunity historically for Latine people in musical theater. And you see how that translates to the stage as well, too, that like Latine are Latine actors make up about three to 4% of Broadway actors, but they make up about 29% of the New York City population. And so what this all comes down to is a how much privilege is required to really be able to be a successful writer. Um, if you think being an actor is bad, it's, it's so much worse for writers, they have to do so much work on the front end before they really make a paycheck. Um, and there's so many gatekeepers and there's there's such a huge process and the access to opportunity is so small. And then if you look at like how much education someone needs, especially on the composing side. And so the access for, you know, people of color in general is so small that then on the on the other end, there's no one doing the work to actually like try to write that particularly. I mean, th th there are some organizations that are supporting. Uh, there's like musical theater um, factory. Is doing a lot of work to really focus on supporting you know women trans non-binary and people of color writers but that's one you know that's one person in the game whereas the rest of the the culture of musical theater is kind of like i think up until very very recently was just kind of like hey we're helping whoever has the stuff that's really good without realizing that well the people have the stuff that's really good the people who came from a certain amount of privilege and so then you know we talk about musical theater being this big um cultural hub you know, that really speaks to our culture, that really influences our culture. But the only people who are allowed to actually create the art that does that are the people who got really fucking lucky or the people who come from a, a huge level of privilege. And that does a really big disservice, not just to like representation and diversity, but also to like our art form. Yeah, there's <laughs> literally thousands and thousands of musical theater creators out there who just will never get the opportunity for whatever reason and i'm glad that you you created something to give them an opportunity and that's the kind of reason why i started the station as well and support new writers because these people need help right these creators they just they don't know where to go and and by you creating this 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 company has given them a place and, and a beacon a light to go to and be drawn to so congratulations on that and and for them i say thank you uh, for creating it thank you so you have, I noticed on the website, you got lots of different programs to help the Latin artists. Um, tell us a little bit about them, how they can get involved with it. 
Yeah, so I kind of, to, to organize it, I kind of put it into four buckets uh, that I call. So the first one is development. You know, being able to come in, have your work read, being able to be part of a longer term writers group where you're meeting with the same people regularly, um, having opportunities to do table reads, having opportunities to do four by 15s, which is four 15 minute excerpts of shows, concerts, things like that to, to get the work performed, to get it in front of an audience perhaps, or to get it in front of just an audience of peers, to be able to get that work like developed. And, and that's a big sticking point because with musical theater, it's really, it can be really expensive. Um, you know, if you're writing a play, you can get some pizza and some beer for friends and sit in your living room and read the play. Um, and you can do a table read like that for musicals too, but you're not getting the music element. You're not getting the full, the full breadth of it. And so having opportunities where things are subsidized, things are, are taken care of, where the writers don't have to necessarily, they don't have to pay for the singers to come in. They don't have to pay for the musicians. Um, they're able to get the music side or even better, the music combined with the text on its feet in front of people so that, that people can hear it so that they can even just hear it. That's a big part of what the development is about. It's about just creating more and more opportunities so that these things can get more and more refined so that they're more competitive. Um, and, and that could be really difficult when there's already so much money to spend on different things for writers. Um, to be able to have a free place because we don't charge our writers a penny for anything. Having a free place to get that work developed is like, to me, one of the, the biggest, most important things that we do. The next piece, um, that's, that's one bucket. The next thing we do is, is education. We provide education. You know, our writers are working professionals. This isn't just a group of people who are like, maybe I'm going to write a musical. We have those people and we're, we love having those people with us. But there's also people who have had stuff at Nymph, who have had stuff professionally produced and, and or at least professionally read or workshopped who are looking to try to break that that glass ceiling, so to speak. And so we offer educational workshops, again, for free. Some of them taught by our writers for our writers. Some of them taught by industry professionals coming in um, to be able to like teach and mentor. Um, then we have uh, what I call like the connection bucket, which is where we as an organization are actively building relationships with theater companies, um, Latine arts organizations, producers, uh, and even universities to build build the connections so that we can kind of be like this liaison between these organizations that's really difficult for you know individual writers to have these relationships but we as an organization can have these relationships with these other organizations to be able to say hey come to our concert hey come check this out hey here's what we're doing hey check out this script look at these demos what do you think do you have space in your season are you interested in taking on one of these writers you know and and what that does is we really actually help everyone involved because we're, we're doing some of the work for these organizations, right? We're doing the research, we're doing the outreach, we're making the contacts with the writers. We're, um, we're, we're helping to refine the work so that once it, once it goes on to that theater, once it goes on to that university, like they know like, oh, this has already been like developed by this organization that, that eventually they'll grow to really like know, like, and trust. Um, and so that's a big thing that we want to do as well too, because it's not just enough to help the Latina writers develop the work. It's like, we got to be able to break down some of the, the barriers, some of the gatekeepers, uh, get other organizations really like involved and on board, not just passive in this relationship to Latina musical theater, you know, as, as an art form. Uh, so there's that. And then the fourth one is that uh, our goal is to eventually be producers as well, where we can produce labs in house, where we can produce um, you know, workshops, even eventually, like my dream one day is that we produce an off Broadway show, um, or maybe even regularly produce off Broadway shows with the intention of trying to get those shows to Broadway. 
Um, and then, you know, in the, in the current time, we do offer associate producing support for shows that are in process. So, you know, our team will will work with uh, a show that's currently maybe looking for venues or looking for personnel or needs some sort of producing support. So we do that currently. Nice. Well, that's a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> you, yeah. you are going to be busy for the next little while. So when, yeah. when, when did you start the company? Um, so it was an idea at the beginning. At, it started as an idea in the middle of October. So three months ago? Yeah, three something months? like that. Oh, geez. <laughs> that's really new. Yeah. Wow, yeah. That's, that's in, that, you know what? That takes some, uh, you know, inspiration and, and, and desire to start something like this in the pandemic and, and or the end of the pandemic or middle. I don't even know where we I are. I don't anymore. know where we are. Um, but so, so did you find any uh, difficulty starting it considering everything that's going on? Because if, I guess if, if we were, you know, if this was started three years ago when before COVID, you probably would have had a few more opportunities to do it live and things like that. Mm-hmm. Have, have you found any barriers? You know, um, I, I, we had planned on doing this because this month is our first month of programs. So we actually have our first um, open salon for writers to just come in and bring some pages, relaxed environment on Friday. And um, the plan was to do this whole month in person. We have a really excellent offer from uh, someone who's got a studio in New York who was like, you can use our space when it's available. And um, with everything going on with COVID, we just didn't feel comfortable moving to in-person right away. Um, there's still plenty we can accomplish online and we'll, we'll make the transition to in-person when it, when it makes sense, right? A month ago, a month and a half ago even, it made sense to start January in person and that's since changed and I'm, I'm yeah. grateful that we're flexible and all grateful. I'm grateful that our community understands. Um, but in terms of barriers, I think actually because we've had this like two years, that's also been a really big racial reckoning for, um, for theater. And frankly, we've started to come back and we haven't actually seen much, if anything, change. Um, I think that there's a lot of fire and a lot of passion around a project like this. And there's nobody in the industry currently doing what we're doing anywhere. Um, the, the exact thing that we're doing, which is, I think, also really exciting. <laughs> we don't really have competitors. And so there, there haven't really been a lot of barriers, which is why it's been able to grow and evolve so quickly. It's gone from idea to inception in two and a half months. Um, and so, yeah, I, I know that's kind of a cop-out, but we there haven't been a lot of barriers beyond just like, there's a lot to do and there's a lot we want to do, but I, I can't like tell you how many people over and over again have been like, what do you need? How can I help? Yes, I'll give you my time. I'll give you my energy. Um, and that's like so crucial because there, I couldn't do this by myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's too much work. There's too much, there's too many conversations to have. There's, there's too many people to meet. There's, there's too much to do for this to be like a, a, a organization run by a person instead of an organization really run by a community. Yes. So you don't do it on your own. Do you have anybody who helps you? Yeah. Yeah. So right now we've got a managing director, Roberto Di Donato. Um, he's excellent. He's just graduating. Uh, he's just got one more semester left in his MFA in directing and arts admin. So he's, amazing and then we just brought in uh, a co-artistic director um christy rodriguez de conte um she's just getting started up so we're getting her onboarded but she's this amazing queer uh latina down in miami or sorry down in tallahassee she's from miami she lives in tallahassee um and i'm really excited about having an artistic director who's 
outside of New York because we're very much a national organization. We work with writers around the country. Um, and she offers like a really like cool collective um, spirit to musical theater. She's also crazy educated. She has a PhD in theater. Um, so we're really excited. She's, she just kind of started right before the holidays, but then it was the holidays. So really like January's her start. Um, and then we're working on recruiting some other people. I think I might've just recruited an artistic associate. We've got one more spot open for an artistic director. And then beyond that, you know, a lot of the writers or uh, producers or people in the industry have just kind of stepped up to be like, Hey, what do you need? Do you need help doing this? Um, do you need help with like little pieces here and there? Um, and that's kind of our, I think our strategy for right now is just getting the people who are in our community, like just to help for an hour or to run, help, you know, moderate this salon or help with this thing. You know, there's that collectivism is really, really nice. Very cool. Very cool. So if people uh, are listening and they want to get involved, uh, what's the best way to, to find you and contact you and, and, and figure out how to help you? Yeah, I mean, if you're looking to get involved in a more um, intimate way, I guess I would say, I would just email me. Um, it's Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at Latine Musical Theater Lab. That's L-A-T-I-N-E, Musical Theater, or uh, sorry, Latine MT Lab, right? Nobody wants to type all that stuff. <laughs> Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at L-A-T-I-N-E, M-T Lab, dot org, right? Um, or if that's too much, just go to our website, uh, which is latinamtlab.org and you'll see like a contact form you can shoot a message to our general email which i check anyway um that would be the best way if you're like really interested in getting like more intimately involved involved or you want to know like how your sp particular skill set or interests can help the lab if you're looking um i'd say that's the easiest way in in this format and i can always shoot you in the right direction um at this point, you know, that that's, that's what we're doing. It's like, and I, and I honestly like that at this form, this stage of the game, I can have a bit more of an individual relationship with everyone in our community that we may not be able to like in the future, it might be like, okay, you have to go do this, like go fill out this form and do, but, but I'd like to, to keep us from being there for as long as possible, maybe forever. Cause I don't know, it just starts to feel a little more like a little less community based, a little less family, yeah. you know, when something becomes more business than than fun for, for lack of a better term it, it yeah it loses its passion so you try and keep it that fun exciting as long as possible yeah we we've got your links on our our website as well on our mt resources page uh i wanted to make sure everybody who heads there learns about you and 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 can explore and ex you know learn from your your company uh ryan thank you so much for coming on and, and talking to us today and, and introducing the, the world to, to your company. And congratulations again on uh, Thank you so much. starting it. Thank you. Considering it's only four months old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and the best time to start a business is just before the holidays. <laughs> right. Well, no, it was great. We got to do a lot of planning. We got to get a lot of stuff yeah. done. We got to have a lot of like more relaxed conversations before we jump into the new year. Um, so I, I don't know. I kind of recommend it. It's a little crazy. It, it's a double-edged sword because in December, nothing gets done, but in January, everything ramps up again. So mm -hmm. the, it's almost a perfect time to start yeah. doing everything. Now, before we go, I always ask three questions of my guests. Now there's no right or wrong answer, but people might judge you on the final question and how okay. you answer. So we'll just leave it at that. Okay. All right. Question number one, what creator or team within musical theater has had a great influence on you? Now, this could be a composer, a lyricist, director, producer, actor, even stage manager. Could be somebody famous or not famous, like a teacher. Is there anybody who's uh, had a great influence in you? 
Yeah, you know, I think I would, um, let's go with teacher. Um, I have this amazing Meisner teacher named Matthew Corzine, who, um, <laughs> this is silly, but I, I was, uh, I was in another acting class and I was doing really well, but then I, I felt like something was missing and I was talking to the teacher and I was like, what's missing from this? Cause I feel like I'm like doing what you, doing what you want. And it's like not quite landing. And he was like, yeah, you know, technically it's really great, but you're lacking like, he was like, I don't know how else to say, it, but it's like this heart in your work. And so we talked for a bit and he ended up recommend one of the places he recommended going to try to kind of like find that little bit more of like that inner artist soul was um, going to Matthew's Corzine studio. And, um, and it's a Meister studio right in downtown New York, Midtown rather. And uh, I started going there and I've been there, been there for like two years, uh, I think over two years now since pre pandemic. And man, like such a change in not just who I am as an actor and an artist, well, not just an actor, but also as an artist, but also as a person, right? Like it's really, it's almost like actor's therapy in a, in a huge way. And I'd say like, that's probably been one of the biggest shifts in my life was going there because it's addressed a lot of things that I never knew needed to be addressed. Um, so yeah, Matthew Corzine. Nice. I love when I get answers that are, you know, nothing wrong with saying Sondheim or, or something like that. It's, it's when you've got that personal level and the unsung heroes, right? Mm. Uh, that not everybody may know, but you know, have made a huge difference and may not just be you, but in lots of other people. So one correct answer, one point. <laughs> Question number two. Now you said that you're a huge video game and anime fan, fan and buff. Yeah. What anime or video game do you think would make a great musical? Ooh, oh my. Um, <laughs> gosh, it's so hard because every time they make one, it's terrible. Um, <laughs> Wow. I know I'm putting um, you on spot. No, I know I'm trying to think. Hold on, I'm gonna look over at my shelf. <laughs> um I mean I think like it would be okay, so like I don't know if it would make a good musical or even it might be really terrible, but I think they could adapt like even just like an original Final Fantasy like musical. Maybe it doesn't follow mm -hmm. the plot of any of the shows, but just like I feel like it's something we're missing in general is kind of like a high fantasy esque musical. I don't know why. I don't know if the genres just like really clash, but we don't get a lot of musicals about like high fantasy, Lord of the Rings, things like that. You know, even Harry Potter went to Broadway and it was yeah. a play, you know, so yeah. I'd be curious about like a Final Fantasy type musical, even if it's like a totally original story, which it would, it would need to be to fit in the two hours. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with that. It might be nice. I, it might be terrible. <laughs> it might be. But you know what? Sometimes you got to try something. And, and just see what happens. And, and sometimes it just inspires. Did you actually see Lord of the Rings on stage? I didn't. Yeah, you didn't. No, you're not missing. It was bad. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't great. Um, it, the set was incredible. It was ginormous. Imagine the uh, Les Mis barricade, mm. but it always stops and gets broken and breaks down for like 20 minutes in the middle of the show. Oh, geez. Yeah, my, my friend was the house manager here in Toronto and it just kept, because they for safety, it triggers and would just stop. So they would, yeah, it was a mess. But you know what? It happened and we got some good songs out of it. Well, we got some songs out of it. Um, so Final Fantasy, great answer, one point. All right. Okay. Final question, maybe the most important one. We'll judge you, people, not okay. me, because I already know. Food in the theater or cell phones in the theater? Which is worse? Oh, cell phones in the theater, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, 100%. Like, there's nothing worse than, like, 
sitting there watching it and then like out of the corner of your eye there's that light and you're like you're just like angry you're just like irrationally well not irrationally very rationally, you're angry very rationally. at the person because you're trying to watch a fucking show and there's this like light shining in your eye it's literally the worst i was i was i was at, I was at the theater on sunday and nobody pulled out a cell phone but i thought someone had because someone had i guess moved and one of the lights on like the side of the like you know what i'm saying the aisle yeah, one of the, lights aisle. the aisle was shining in my eye and i was like i can't even get mad because that's supposed to be there <laughs> but if that had been to someone's cell phone like very justifiably angry I love hearing people's answers, <laughs> how passionate they get, either whether it be food or cell phones. It's fantastic. I also would have accepted a both are awful. So I'll point another one for you. Three out of three. Congratulations. Yay. I have no prizes, but you do Aww. win. Okay. So, um, Ryan, again, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, congratulations on starting your new company. And uh Good luck with everything you do. And uh, please keep us informed because I want to share anything you have in the future. Yes. Thank you, Jean-Paul. This, this, this has been a delight. <laughs> we were just speaking with Ryan Morales Green here on Be Our Guest. Tune in next week as we'll speak with another guest or guests about their life, love, and passion. That is musical theater. I'm your host as always, Jean-Paul Yovanoff. And until next time, I'll see you when I see you.